Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. This episode, by the way, is brought to you by RusAndSov.com. That's a store, an online store, that sells t-shirts and posters and mugs and everything connected with Russia and Soviet Union. They really don't do just the cliché stuff, although they have some great, excellent, even propaganda posters, like the one they sent to me, which says, More Steel and More Weapons. What they do have is a lot of if you're into architecture or the abstract art of the 1920s, they have that too. They're an excellent source of everything, and just like with everything else, if you go to my website, theeasternborder.lv, and click on the banner on the right side there, and just follow that link and buy stuff, then you'll get a 10% discount. Or if you enter Eastern Border, I think the first the letter is capitalized, Eastern Border, one word, at... Your checkout, you'll get a 10% discount, and I'll send uh, some percentage of the money my way. They're not a big chain or anything. They found me, and they've been sending me stuff. They sent me an Eastern Border t-shirt with our awesome art, and they sent me the poster, and it's amazing, and, well, I hope you go check them out. Rusensov.com. They're great. We're gonna continue working with them in the future. Next episode is going to be about the KV tank, but right now I do have to touch on some political subjects. Because, well, Navalny's case is something that we all care about here on the eastern border. And that's something that I think should be, should be mentioned first. So let's get on with it. On February the 2nd, during a hearing that determined Navalny's fate which means that he will remain in prison for several years to come. 
specifically, he will uh, remain in prison for the next two and a half years because the Russian court determined that he um, has violated his terms of parole, even though they poisoned him. Well, Narni made a speech. And even though it was determined that it is illegal for anyone to make a recording there, a lot of Russian journalists did. And I'll present to you here a full English translation of um, Navalny's speech, because right now he's just been sentenced to two and a half years in jail. There have been massive protest actions where 12,000 people in total have been arrested, and even um, Navalny's kind of main organizer, Dmitry Volkov, has stated that the protest actions will not continue due to the amount of people arrested and uh, how all the organizers basically have been shut down. So, that's uh, bad news for democracy in Russia. I'll get to what Russia says about all these things. I just want to give you, for the starters of all of this, once I get into my own opinions and once I get into responses and how this court went, I'll give you Alexander Navalny's final words before he was sentenced for two and a half years in prison. Quote, I would like to begin by discussing the legal issue here, which seems to me to be paramount and a bit overlooked in this discussion. There are two people sitting right here, and one of them is saying, let's lock up Navalny, because he showed up to meet with his parole officers on Mondays and Thursdays. And the other says, let's lock up Navalny, because he didn't show up immediately after coming out of his coma. But I would like everyone to remember that the essence of this trial is to lock me up over a case in which I was already exonerated. A case that's already been recognized as fabricated. If you look at the criminal statutes, Your Honor, I hope you've already done this once or twice, we will see that the European Court of Human Rights is part of the Russian justice system, and its decisions are binding. The Russian Federation halfway acknowledged this ruling and even paid me compensation here. Despite this, my brother spent three and a half years in prison because of this same case. I spent an entire year under house arrest for this same case. Let's do a little math. The verdict was in 2014. It is 2021 now and I am still being prosecuted for this. Why this case exactly? There's a reason, and it's not because there's some shortage of criminal charges against me. Somebody wanted me arrested the moment I crossed the border after returning from Germany. The explanation is one man's hatred and fear. One man hiding in a bunker. I mortally offended him by surviving. I survived thanks to good people, thanks to pilots and doctors. And then I committed an even more serious offense. I did not run and hide. And then something truly terrifying happened. I participated in the investigation of my own poisoning. And I proved, in fact, that Putin, using Russia's Federal Security Service, was responsible for this attempted murder. And that is driving this thieving little man in his tiny bunker out of his mind. He has simply gone insane as a result. There are no popularity ratings. No massive support. There is none of that. 
Because it turns out that dealing with a political opponent who has no access to television and no political party merely requires trying to kill him with a chemical weapon. So, of course, he's losing his mind over this. Because everyone was convinced that he is just a bureaucrat who was accidentally appointed to his position. He has never participated in any debates or campaigned in an election. Uh, Side note, that is totally true. He's just avoided debates like the plague. Murder is the only way he knows how to fight. He'll go down in history as nothing but a poisoner. We will all remember Alexander II, the Liberator, and Yaroslav I, the Wise. Well, now we have Vladimir the Underpants Poisoner. I'm standing here, guarded by the police, and the National Guard is out there with half of Moscow cordoned off. All because of that small, tiny man in the bunker is losing his mind. He's losing his mind because we have proved and demonstrated that he is not buried in geopolitics. He's busy holding meetings where he decides how to steal politicians' underpants and smear them with chemical weapons to try to kill them. The main thing is, in this whole trial, that it is not what happens to me. Locking me up isn't difficult. And that happened, and this is before he knew it happened. What matters most is why this is happening. This is happening to intimidate large numbers of people. They're imprisoning one person to frighten millions. We in Russia have got 20 million people living below the poverty line. We have tens of millions of people living without the slightest prospects for the future. Life is bearable in Moscow, but travel 100 kilometers in any direction and everything's a mess. The whole country is living in this mess, without the slightest prospects, earning 20,000 rubles, uh, that's about $265, a month. And they're all silent. They try to shut people up with these show trials. Lock up this one to scare millions more. One person takes to the streets, and they lock up another five people to scare 15 million more. I hope very much that people won't look at this trial as a signal that they should be more afraid. This isn't a demonstration of strength. It's a show of weakness. You can't lock up millions and hundreds of thousands of people. I hope very much that people will realize this. And they will, because you can't lock up the whole country. The only thing growing in Russia is the number of billionaires. Everything else is declining. I'm locked up in a prison cell, and all I hear about on TV is that butter is getting more expensive. The price of eggs is rising. You've deprived these people of a future. Everything I am saying right now reflects my attitude towards the performance you've staged here. This is what happened when lawlessness and tyranny became the essence of a political system. And that... That is horrifying. But it's even worse when lawlessness and tyranny pose as state prosecutors and dress up in judges' robes. It's the duty of every person to defy you and to defy such laws. I'm fighting as best as I can and I will continue to do so despite the fact that I'm now under the control of people who will have to smear everything with chemical weapons. My life is not worth two cents, but I will do everything I can so that the law prevails. And I salute and thank the staff at the Anti-Corruption Foundation whom have founded, who have been arrested, and all the honest people across the country who are not afraid and who will take to the streets. Because they have the same rights as you. This country belongs to them just as it does to you and everyone else. We demand proper justice, decent treatment, 
participation in elections and participation in the distribution of the national wealth. Yes, we demand all of this. I want to say that there are many good things in Russia now. The very best are the people who are not afraid. People who don't look the other way. Who will never hand our country over to a bunch of corrupt officials who want to trade it for palaces, vineyards and aqua discos. I demand my immediate release and the release of all political prisoners. I do not recognize your performance here, your kangaroo court. It is a deception and completely illegal. That was the last thing Navalny said before his imprisonment. But there is another tiny little thing which will mark me as a complete cynic, which uh, will kind of explain the future events to you, what's happening now. I'll quote Alexander Nevzorov here, one of my favorite journalists. He said that the problem with revolutions and protests in Russia is that the protesters are the same people who make the Zhigulikar. Yeah, that should say something if you know a bit about the Zhigulikar. But wow, let's go and depack all of this. Hey guys, Annette here. I hope you are enjoying our new episode of The Eastern Border. As always, a big thank you to all of our Patreons. The show would not be possible without your help. If you are not a Patreon and would like to become one, head over to the Eastern Border page on patreon.com. Please remember to also follow us on our social media, like Twitter, where we are known as Eastern underscore Border, and on our Facebook page. We also have a Discord server, so if you're interested in that, find the link in the description of this podcast. That's it for now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. You see, sentencing Navalny to two and a half years in prison appears to be a watershed moment in Russian politics. An event many are comparing to the jailing of the billionaire Mikhail Khodorkovsky and the Kremlin's assault on dissent among the nation's elites, which defined much of Putin's early presidency. There's a lot of um, people stating their opinions, and my colleagues at Medusa spoke a handful of them, and I'm happy to provide English translations of all this, and um, thanks to Medusa for that. But yeah, there's some expert opinions, because like I said, there were protest actions and mass arrests and everything, and then uh, the Anti-Corruption Foundation, the Navalny's organization, just decided to cease protesting because so many people, 12,000 people, got arrested. And that was all terrible. So, you know, some actual opinions are needed and uh, we have to figure out what's going to happen next and what all this is going. So... I'm providing you some of the opinions of the political scientists and uh, analysts. And uh, note that whenever I mention their opinion, it's their opinion and not mine, because my opinion is that, well, I predicted, possibly incorrectly, that Russia's gonna collapse internally or turn into the world's largest North Korea. And I hoped for the collapse scenario, because that would be slightly better, but turns out that world's largest North Korea could be an option here. Unless the civil war erupts, which also many predict due to economical reasons. But that's for another episode. It's kind of weird here. It's all getting weirder 
by the second, to be honest. Anyway, first here is the option of Alexei Makarkin, first vice president of the Center of Political Technologies. Quote, Navalny's verdict reflects the authorities' harder line of the opposition, which fits the general trend. Even before he returned from Germany, where he recuperated from being poisoned, they adopted new laws on foreign agent individuals and legislation to control outreach activities. Plus, there's the police practice of charging people with unlawful assembly and felony protest violations, like the verdicts against Konstantin Kotov and Yulia Galamina. So when he landed, Navalny knew perfectly well what awaited him in accordance with this trend. I think this will continue. The only thing that could even come close to this is that even some of the authorities' supporters objected to the crackdown on Moscow's demonstrations in 2019 ahead of the city Duma elections. The Levada Center ran a poll and found that Russians weren't happy about that. But Putin has shown that he doesn't give a crap about the people at this point. People are ready to support the authorities, but they're not ready to support crackdowns. And now, the authorities are trying to keep the general picture clear of anything too negative or upsetting, even though there were 16 foreign diplomats in Navalny's trial. Navalny's supporters will probably survive his imprisonment. The protest movement's core has been ready for this for a long, long time. The core will remain and the protest frontier will depend on the degree of state pressure and the new red flags. It will also depend on the attitudes toward the people who turned out the protest. There is an opposition subculture in Moscow where it's actually a bonus to be called a foreign agent. How will they react if that happens outside the capital? People go to a protest, get beaten up and arrested. And how do others around them react? Will they feel comfortable or not? If not, maybe they'll stop going to demonstrations. Maybe someone goes once or twice and then someone... Not the authorities, but a relative says, What are you doing that for? You know better. On TV, they're saying it's all spies and saboteurs, so cut it out. But it's another story if that someone says it's your business, your right and decision, life has gotten worse and they're bullying you for nothing. Will protesters be comfortable in their own environments? True nonconformists, those who are willing to demonstrate at any cost. Those people are few and far between. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Their numbers are always small. Everything depends on the surrounding atmosphere, which will prevail. Pro-government trends that depict the opposition as foreign enemies or the perspective that the status quo is intolerable and the protests are perfectly legitimate. We will see which side wins out here. Imprisoning the Navalny doesn't fundamentally change anything regarding this year's parliamentary elections. 
It was clear from the start that the opposition groups without seats in the state Duma will demand their candidates' registration and take it to the streets during the elections. Society always grows more politicized around parliamentary elections because there is more attention and problems and various issues are articulated. Even the moderate, loyal parliamentary opposition still says this. And when these elections are held, questions about their honesty arise. This often leads to protests and the Varney's verdict could offer an additional boost to such actions, adding some extra emotion, if it lasts until elections. The West's horrible sanction to the Varney's prison sentence will be tough. As for new sanctions, I think the Biden administration will take stock of the existing sanctions and try to understand what works and what doesn't. And once they understand, they will act. And here's the opinion of Kirill Shamayev the PhD candidate at Central European University. Quote, As the leader of the Russian opposition's most active branch, Alexei Navalny could rally the largest numbers of people at demonstrations and mobilize them for political aims. That they have now shut him down demonstrates a drop in the political system's competitiveness to what you might call a new low. The original Russian says, uh, well, literally translating beating through another hole in the floor, like you found the depths of the hole and you're beating through it, just mentioning it. Translating that into English is a bit of a, a bit of a trouble here, you know. The Russian political regime is considered to be electoral authoritarianism legitimized through elections. When a political opponent like Navalny is closed off this way, it raises questions about the election procedure's legitimacy. Generally speaking, this is the road to a personalistic dictatorship locked around one person. This year, there will be a state Duma elections, and the presidential administration's goal, I think, is to destroy the Navalny campaign's organizational structure, so it has no opportunity to mobilize opposition politicians. So it can't mobilize the needed number of votes using Russia's declining socio-economic and political conditions. The Duma elections need to look good from the outside though they won't let the opposition deputies inside, but the average voter won't see that. While Alexei was free, he was a peaceful politician, despite propagandist efforts to portray him as some sort of revolutionary or rebel. And, by the way, and this is from my own editions, because I listen to a lot of Western podcasts, Uh, for one, um, at least on Vox, the worldly podcast, which is Vox's podcast about foreign politics, which I listen to often, and I criticize them because they don't know a lot about a lot of things. They don't respond to my tweets, though, or my social media messages, or my emails, uh, so feel free to poke them at your own initiative and leisure. Uh, They call Navalny a rampant Islamophobe. Um, I disagree I also disagree on Navalny in a lot of positions here, but I just, I have zero idea where they pulled that one off. But that just shows how trustworthy Vox's worldly podcast about foreign politics is, or how, in general, you should uh, totally listen to what Vox.com says, because they're totally a real and legit news source. Yeah. No, don't listen to Vox. Vox is shit. At least their foreign policy department is. It's just, wow. Rampant Islamophobe. That was the weirdest thing I've heard in a long while. But, but yeah, continuing on from this thing. 
All his demonstrations were aimed at the political existence and at the democratic struggle. Nature abhors a vacuum, though, and there's a chance now that other organizations will emerge that are more radically aimed at confrontation with the authorities. And this is happening because the economy today is in a bad state. The COVID has hit people's welfare hard, and the new international situation is rough. More likely there will be some new kind of sanctions imposed. Things look a lot worse when Navalny was jailed in 2012 and 2013, at a house arrest, though. Back then, the Kremlin had more room to manure and make concessions, and they are worth more money than there is now. Today, the conditions for protests have become more widespread. We'll have to consider agency. Who comes to rallies and who is able to lead them? Leaders are critical. As someone who studies law enforcement in Russia, I don't believe the country's security officials can seize political power in Russia. They're completely subordinate to the president and to governors regionally and to the majors in the cities. The Kremlin is in perfect control. That they're being deployed to city streets now is on direct orders. If necessary, they'll deploy even more. People say that the security officials are seizing power in Russia, but let's take a look at what's happened. Since the late 1990s, there hasn't been a single active candidate for high office from the security apparatus. There were some in the 90s, but not now. Now they all serve. From the state's perspective, this is good. On the other hand, however, they're subordinate to a single person. The president. Even in the state Duma, no one is even able to coordinate them without the president's permission. In recent protests, it's been disturbing to see the use of horrible stun guns, but the police have also employed the usual means like clubs, shields, jail sentences, and arresting leaders preemptively. If you compare this with other countries, our police aren't as rough as you might find in France or the United States, where they use tear gas and stun grenades. In a Western democracy, however, you can later get justice in case of excessive force by police suing and winning millions in damages. That's impossible in Russia. You can use violence up to the point at which it's seen as excessive, which is when it starts mobilizing people who are sympathetic to the opposition or who are entirely indifferent. And uh, I kind of disagree here, because this uh, interview, this thing was taken before latest arrests, and we have seen massive police brutality here. So, well, that's, that's this guy's opinion. But uh, I better continue again. Quote. I take a conservative position here. So far, the violence from the Russian law enforcement against the opposition protesters hasn't reached the level that could mobilize a large mass of people. Over the past three days of protests, they've detained a large number of people, 12,000. But in how many of these cases was blood spilled? 150? 200? These incidents shouldn't occur at all, of course. People should never be beaten for demonstrating peacefully, but this is politics, and so it happens that about 200 cases is not much. It won't yet look to people like violence was inflicted en masse. Regarding the West, we've seen uh, a tough verbal response from all the leaders of developed Western countries. In foreign policy, we're more than likely now to see sectoral sanctions and actions against the construction of the gas pipeline Nord Stream 2, but Germany won't halt it. This is a domestic issue for them. Their industry needs gas. The United States and the Europe can impose sanctions on Russian generals, but it's pointless because they never travel abroad. I'd like to believe that personal sanctions from Navalny's list will be introduced because we'd seen how Kremlin would react. The situation for the Russian opposition is more positive now with the Biden administration, which is more devoted to democratic values than Trump was. 
and personal sanctions are scary for the regime in Russia because it relies on the elites. If their wealth is abroad and they're not allowed back into their homes, that will be problematic, and that's to say nothing about the gray money they've got floating around there, too. It feels to me like the potential of confrontation is growing, and the opposition should use it. There is a window of opportunity now, thanks to Duma elections and Russia's socio-economic situation. So what to make from all of this? Well, Navalny's in jail, nothing's going to change that, and we'll have to watch closely what happens with Russia, because, well, although those protests have calmed down, the advice about some radical elements getting more and more active, that's becoming more and more true, which is sad. But now, now I've also got a source in St. Petersburg itself, a nice lady contacted me on Facebook and promised to give me information on what's happening there. So we'll have some inside scoops straight up from there, just from the street, from the common person's perspective, which is nice. Things are going to go wild and crazy. I'll be very happy to get back to the historical episodes, and like I said, next one's going to be about the KV tank. And a lot of you have asked me to do stuff about the German tanks as well, which I should. But this is the Eastern Border, so... um. I guess those episodes are going to be something short and special and extra. Or something. Because I'm not really sure if making episodes about German tanks in World War II is something that I could do on the show and, well, you know, Eastern border and stuff. But maybe I should. I'll, I don't know. I'll figure it out. At any rate, well, Navalny's imprisonment is one of the weirdest things ever and yeah, that's a watershed moment, that's why I wanted to dedicate a whole episode to it. At any rate, we'll see how this goes on, and, uh, huh. Might be interesting in the long run. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and, um, it made you think about some stuff, maybe. До свидания, товарищи. And let's hope for a better future. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The Eastern Border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. 
Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.